Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are French football writer Richard Allen, and along with our very own Eric de Vim. The darling buds of May have sprouted, which can only really mean one thing at this time of year. The football season is slowly coming to a close, but with only a few weeks left to fight for, can anyone make that great escape in the final few weeks? Uh, can there be one last rush for those places for the European spots? We'll wait and see, but all of that and more after the latest headlines. Saint-Étienne finally showed signs of life in a two-all draw with Bordeaux on Friday, but it was likely not enough to allow them to qualify for European football. In Saturday's early match, PSG thumped Bastia 5-0 with Edinson Cavani netting a brace and having a penalty saved by Jean-Louis Lecca. In the multiplex, Monaco rebounded from their Champions League loss to notch a 3-0 victory at Nancy, while fellow relegation candidates Dijon were similarly thrashed on the road 4-0 at Gangomp, a result which saw Jimmy Briand and Yannis Salibur both record braces. There were happier times for Mets, who won, whose 2-0 win at Lille officially confirmed their Ligue 1 status for next year, while Angers did the same with a one-all draw at Lorient. The day's big winners, though, were Caen, as a diving header from Ivan Santini allowed the Norman side to move clear of Lorient and Dijon into 16th. Sunday's early match saw Montpellier fall at Rennes 1-0, the southern side still not mathematically safe of the drop zone. Lyon needed a brace, uh, brace apologies for substitute Maxwell Cornet, to, uh, but managed to come from behind to win 3-2 at home to Nantes, a result which sees Legon five points ahead of fifth place Marseille with two left to play. Sunday's grand shock was saw Nice once again involved in a dramatic match with Patrice Evra scoring the winner after the visitors had hit the woodwork twice in the first half. In Ligue 2, relegation remains a dogfight as ever as Nîmes' clutch win at Brest keeps their promotion hopes alive. While with Amiens and Troyes also victorious, although Strasbourg can move five points clear at the top with a win at Lens this evening. They are playing at the time of recording. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the relegation battle, which is simmering quite nicely over the last few weeks with only a couple of weeks left. Five points separate the bottom five teams, but we will start with the one that is at rock bottom at the moment, Eric in Bastia. And after the LFP's ruling on the Leon game and the PSG result, is that probably it for the Corsicans? Have they left themselves too much to do with uh, so little time left? Well, I mean, the playoffs are certainly... Uh, in in the frame, if they can win at home, so, well, at home, if they win at wherever they're playing, Astro, uh, this upcoming match, and that would put them uh, ahead of both Dijon and Nancy at, on points, depending on the results. I don't see them getting anything from Marseille the final week, particularly if Marseille failed to win against Bordeaux this weekend. But uh, I think there's certainly a chance that they could stay up. I, I, you know, I think that it would be better for the league and for France that, were they not to, but. Yeah, there's certainly a chance. I mean, they're, they've shown time and again that they're, they can be solid and dogged defensively. Enzo Crivelli, and and Maximin, they have a caliber of player that can, that can turn a match on its head very quickly. Um, and, and yeah, I think they're, they're, they're not dead yet uh, as much as I would like them to be. 
as uh, that's been the sort of the running theme in the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Really, but uh, Rich, what do you? We'll go on to the punishment that the LFP dished out earlier this week on the Thursday evening first, and that was that they've awarded the game to Lyon and Bastia have to play their remaining home games um, away from the Fioriani. But is that enough of a punishment for you for what happened in that in that game against Lyon, or should they've maybe also had a points deduction, which would have effectively seen them down? I think they absolutely should have had a points deduction. I think you look at the um, the incidents that we've already seen this season alone, let alone seasons gone by, and to have come away from that ruling with no points deduction, taking into account what eventually it was overturned, but what, what Mets were handed down <clears throat> for their flare incident in also the Leon game um, earlier in the season, it gobsmacked me. Um, I think a lot of us were waiting up Quite late at night, I think the LFP certainly took their time in making that decision. But it slowly started to sort of come out prior to officially being announced that they're actually only going to get... Um, well, I mean, they've already played one game um, away from away from Corsica, the rain game. So two, two more games at a neutral ground behind closed doors and a three-point switch. You know, we all knew that that was going to be... That was always going to be awarded. So I was I was borderline appalled really that they've they've come out of this actually not too bad yet again I, i've lost track of the amount of times that bastia seem to um seem to have gotten away with with some pretty shocking incidences at, at their home ground but to, to the question of whether i think they're done i look at the last two games that the, the sort of i suppose five sides that are still looking to avoid the drop um and i think to be staying up, each side's going to be needing to win a game. So I think Bastia's game against Lorient is very winnable. Um, but I'm not sure if that's going to be enough, if I'm perfectly honest. I, I I can see... I look at the other games and I could see... Um, I could see... Well, I'm, I'm going with a Dijon win over Nancy. I could be, easily see Khan beating Ren. So although I think they may get may pick up some points against Lorient, I don't think it's going to be enough. And as, as Eric said, I can't see them getting anything at, at Marseille away on the final final day of the season. Yeah, and it has to be a major factor for the Lorient facing Bastion. If they if they beat them, that's that's definitely them safe and pretty much relegates Bastion at the same time as well. But I, I thought the decision was strange as well. I mean, the timing of it was a, a little bit odd. But I also I'm not going to try and start having conspiracy theories about the LFP, but the fact that Bastia won that game the, the, the weekend beforehand, the one to win against Ren, just because that's pulled them a lot closer now and back into the race, I think that's probably what's dissuaded them from giving them a points deduction. Had they lost that game and then been currently on about 28 points, which is pretty much already relegated anyway, I think they would have given them the points deduction. But because there's that now slim glimmer of hope that they might get that playoff spot now, it's almost like the LFP went, well, let's let the football decide it a little bit more and maybe we'll give them one last mini chance in a way. But I hope it's not the case. But it does seem strange with the timing and the and the choices. But uh, Eric, let, let's talk about another team that's right around the bottom and that's Nancy, who have been middling for a, quite, <laughs> quite a number of weeks. They had a, they had a decent... Um, excuse me. They, they obviously lost at the weekend to Monaco, but they... Had a couple of decent games. They were maybe a little bit unlucky against Mets at times, and and they got a good draw against Marseille a few weeks ago. 
can you see them pulling themselves out? I mean, they've got an absolutely massive game against Dijon at the weekend, but can you see them pulling out three points from there? Um, I don't necessarily know about three points from there, but the thing that, that really attracts me about Nancy's chances is that were they to get a draw against Dijon, they would leave themselves still a point behind. But then they'd be at home to Saint-Étienne. Now, Saint-Étienne have nothing to play for, and they're also going to be coming off a midweek match against Monaco. So, you know, whether Saint-Étienne on the road at the end of the season want to try to any sort of a stronger team or whether they want to give more chances to some of these younger players we've been talking about in recent weeks, um, I think that makes for a very, very attractive fixture for, for Nasi. Uh, and I think that's what gives them hope. Um, they've been, you know, not very pleasing to watch. Someone along the order of Lens, the last time Lens were in Liga, uh, they try to play in a somewhat positive manner, but really just don't have the quality of personnel, particularly at center forward, to do that. Um, so they've been, you know, not the most attractive to watch, but uh, I, do, I do think that their their organization is has been decent, and they've been decent defensively. Uh, they had a good run in the Coupe de la Ligue. They're not a bad team. Someone's got to go down, but I, I think that they, they do still have a, a good chance. I, I would get, make them narrow favorites over Dijon just because of the fact that they do have that last match against Saint-Étienne, and I think Dijon's trip to lose looks a little more difficult. Yeah, and just looking at, at Nancy's run of form since about February when they, they won 2-0 away against Nantes, there's just a load of red on the league and plays. There's only two draws and a win against Ren, which seems to be the, the given at the moment, unfortunately, Rich, <laughs> but um, it seems there's a pattern here, isn't there, I think, that's emerging, but what did you think to Nancy this season? I mean, they have been criticised on occasions for being a little bit negative. There, there is a couple of results I see from there. They lost 3-2 against Laurent, obviously put three past Ren, and they, they managed to score a couple more goals more recently. But have they maybe been a little bit too negative at times this season? I think the key for Nancy, I think when you look at that running, if you do a sort of direct comparison with Dijon, is Nancy just haven't picked up those points from their rivals at the bottom. You know, you look at you look at Dijon's um, run of late, and you know, there's a there's a lot of losses there. But you know, you look at they they won away at Lorient, they won at home to Caen, um, they won at home to Angers. So they're, they're picking up wins where they probably will be targeting, you know, where they've targeted those wins. Nancy will almost certainly have adopted the same strategy in so much as pinpointing which games they'd be wanting to to get the points from, but then just aren't executing the plan. Um, that that's their downfall, you know. And, and most recently, of course, then there was the the narrow loss to Mets, which I mean that 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 could be the sort of that could have been perhaps the final the final death knell. They're going to have to look at this game. Both Dijon and Nantes are just going to have to look at this game um, on Sunday. You know, win it, and chances are that that win could be enough to keep you up. Um, so it, it it will be a great game. I think it's not going to be perhaps the most technically um, appealing game, but you're going to see two two teams who are going to put absolutely everything into it. Um, I would have Dijon as, as the slight favourites in that game. Um, it's then a toss-up, I think, going into that final game because you know ultimately both Santetti and Toulouse have not a great deal to play for. Maybe one thing that could come into consideration is maybe it could be Gal Christophe Galtier's final game with Santetti. Will they want to go out? So, does that therefore mean that the that the um, Toulouse game is easier? 
Novsky, by and large, I just they just don't have that. They just haven't quite got that quality. Um, the, um, Khan, to a lesser extent, maybe Lorient have uh, over the course of the season, in some patches anyway, have, have have given us a glimpse into the quality that may just be enough to keep them up. But I just don't see that Nancy have managed to produce that enough. And moving on to sort of Dijon, and this, the, we've already mentioned them briefly, but there's two cracking games down at the bottom of the table this weekend. And we've mentioned several times this season, Eric, that they're, they're relatively good going forward, but their defence has always seemed to come back at them. And in the last couple of months, after looking relatively like they were going to probably just stay up from the, from the power of Diony and, and Tavares, they've just slowly sank back into that, that, that mire that's there at the bottom of the table. And that, there's a couple of results you look at there. The 2-1 the against Bastia that has got away from them, that one. And the 4-0 the loss at the weekend as well to a, a Gangomp side that have been sort of, let's say, I think putting in cruise control in the last four months has maybe been a little bit kind to them. But that surely must have hurt them ahead of a, a really big clash that's coming up this weekend. Yeah, I think both in terms of confidence and in terms of what it does for their point totals, what it does for their goal difference. I don't know the goal difference will, will probably come into play, but each I think do have a considerably better goal difference than their, than their opponents down the bottom of the table. But absolutely, I mean, they are a team that has tried to play the right way. They've been somewhat undone by by injuries. Um, I think if you look at the squad, that Florent Beaumont is a important player for them. Um, you know, Delamide's suffered some injuries as well. Just not being able to con- to consistently call upon certain sort of players, I think, has, has frustrated them. Uh, I think some players have had some inconsistent form as well. Uh, Frederick Samaritano has looked brilliant, or he's looked a passenger at various times, and he is, you know, kind of a cut rate by Pete Valbuena, uh, a player who can turn a game on its head, but can also, you know, have the exact opposite effect uh, if he's not on his game. Um, Dijon, yeah, it's 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 tough to say. I I I would have to make Nasi slight favorites. I just think that their obstinacy and, and their and the, their ability to to hit teams when it counts uh, will give them the slight edge. I, I just I don't know something something about Dijon at this point in time just doesn't really instill a whole lot of confidence. In me. Hmm. See, I'm probably against both of you two. I'm giving the slight edge to Dijon with the fact that every team that's been better this season has a goal scorer, and, and Dijon have that goal scorer. And Nancy, maybe Issa Diaz enough, but at home it does well for Dijon. I, I think they might sneak it. I'd look at Fetou Moassa as being a much more important player for Nancy. I think that the that they've that his ability to break game open, cut inside. I think that he makes the difference in this match. I'm not saying he's going to score, but I'm saying that. He looks such a threat with the ball at his feet. He's, he's strong for his size. He's got good dribbling ability. I, I think he can really cut this game open if he's given if he's given the right opportunity. It, it's definitely not going to be a quiet one, though, at the weekend. We can absolutely make that certain. Uh, talking about the other game, Rich, and that's Lorient, who a couple of weeks ago you might have said that they were pretty much safe for the amount of good results they were picking up when they really went on that storming run of, of about, I think it was four wins in a row, I think, in the end. Uh, three wins, sorry. It was four wins in five, but it's not still not quite enough to see them safe, but surely in a neutral ground against a, a Basti side that might be a little bit on edge still, this could be the real knockout blow for them, can't it? 
Uh, it can be. I, I, I think first and foremost, I think they will. I think they will get something from that Basti again that will see them safe. But you know, it's been from a from a, a neutral's perspective, it's been you know everyone loves the story of we had it with Toulouse last season. It's perhaps not been quite as dramatic with Lorient this season. But you know, start of the year, even as even as as recent as as sort of February and, and into March time, everyone, including myself, had had written them off completely. Um, you know, they just were were playing dreadfully, no luck. Um, you know, the, the bigger name players weren't turning up, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it took that um, that narrow win at Nancy, and bang, it, it, something changed. You know, be it, be it um, Cassoni and, and his style, be it the players' mentality, but something changed, and then we had that we saw that great run of form. Um, slightly annoyed that they couldn't get the job done um, uh, last weekend. Um, you know, I think they probably would have looked at, at Angers at home as taken into consideration. I think their recent performances, they'd have looked at Angers at home and thought, "Yeah, there's the win. We'll get the win. Job done." Can sort of sit relatively easily then for the for the final two games. So they'll be annoyed, I think, that they didn't get the job done there. Um, but I think looking at their form. Um, you know, they're scoring goals, scoring a lot of goals <laughs> recently. Um, I think they've got enough to get at least a point and, and that for them. And, and looking at at the same time, they might not want to leave it till that last week because if Bordeaux is still playing for that fifth place as well or if, if they've gained the advantage on Marseille, that might keep that interesting as well. But finally, on this sort of relegation talk, Eric, it's, it's calm, which you look on the face of things in this league table and they've They've scored the third least in the league, or fourth least. Sorry, I, I missed out Ren there. Uh, and <laughs> they've they've conceded the second most in the league. Well, third most in the league. They've got the worst, go- well, second worst goal difference. Yet they are pretty much, you would say, a point will do for them at the weekend. So it's a strange old season for them, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think you know. I had a, on our guarding piece this morning. Uh, Adam and I had a a talking or a talking point about Ivan Santini. And how important that's been. And as you rightly said, you know, a, a player who's, who can score goals, I know Santini doesn't have the dynamism and ability to press from the front that um, Benigni Delore does, and that as a result, there's more pressure on that midfield, there's more pressure on that defense in terms of a knock on effect. But the fact of the matter is, if you have a player who can score goals, you're going to give yourself a fighting chance because a point here, three points there that tends to add up over the season. And they've gotten good contributions from some of their younger players, Ian Caramo and uh, Jean-Victor McKengo, I think have been really impressive this season, given their ages. Uh, and I, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for this, this con team that they, they've got some really surprising results uh, against the green. I could think of a home win against Leon a couple months ago that, you know, Leon had come back into the game to, to draw it at two wall. And it looked, that started to, to, to kick on, but Khan came back and they, they fought back. They've had a decent home record, and I think that's been key as well. But again, yeah, a player who can score goals in the form of Ivan Santini, uh, he's actually exceeded Dolores' production from last year, and, and that's made the difference. He's not been very consistent, but he's, he's done enough at this point in time to put Khan in a pretty good position. I, I, don't, I don't see them going down. Um, I don't know, maybe Rich would have a better insight as to what Ren may or may not have to play for this weekend. But uh, yeah, a point will probably be enough. And I, I see them, especially at home, being good enough to do that. 
Yeah, just looking down the results, what they've beat Toulouse both home and away 1-0. They've beat Nice at home. They've beat Lyon at home. They've beat Gangomp away when they were still doing okay. They beat Saint-Étienne away. And obviously, the, 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 I've mentioned it previously, but the, the result of the weekend, it's just strange that they've picked up a couple of results that probably have just about seen them safe in the end. But I think, it, I think it's, it's, it's almost the opposite of Dijon, whereas Dijon have picked up those points, valuable points, against the teams that are around them, um, kind of have picked up the points where perhaps they, they really weren't expecting them. So yeah, It just seems so strange for a team that... It, it, it's almost a mathematical anomaly, this team at the moment. They just seem to be so up and down all season. And it's just about seeing them safe, I think, which is peculiar. But I, I, we'll move on. And I, I think I'll slip in where we've mentioned one team pretty regularly on this uh, this section and that's Ren and what perfect we couldn't really not have a show with Rich on and not mention his team and it's much much you probably would like to avoid it at the moment really but it's it has been a tough season for your side Rich and it's been alarmingly dipping since really January time hasn't it it's been yeah I mean it's I mean Ren, Ren you know traditionally don't finish the season very well but um there's there's finishing the season not very well and there's switching off at Christmas and not seemingly coming back from the winter break. So it's been, for want of a better phrase, it's been, it's been absolutely appalling to see. Some of the football has been absolutely dire. Um, there's just been, you know, there's, there's, there's just no progression there. There's there's so much, there's so much there that could, that keep giving keeps giving you hope that, oh, actually, you know what, they should be aiming a bit higher. But then you think, and you see the performances, and you see the overall score, and you think, "Am I just setting my expectations too high with this club? You know, should I be happy and comfortable with a you know ninth, tenth, eleventh place finish?" And then you know, you see a team like let's just, you know see a team like Nice last season prior to you know the success of this season, and yeah, they had a great season, but that squad wasn't as as you know, spectacular as perhaps people initially thought at the start of the season. And there's there's a lot of other clubs that just think, why can't that be rare? There's no reason why that can't be rare. And everything's in place. But it's this 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 second half of the season has been, you know, there's not been a great many three, four, five clubs, I think, with worse records since uh, since the turn of the year. So it doesn't fill me with a lot of hope going into the close season. But as ever with Ren, they just just keep you with enough to keep you interested <laughs> yeah and it's ju- it's just looking down the list of the re- more, most recent fixtures since about january time or even december really that it wasn't a great december but it's just filled with draws every here there and everywhere and the occasional loss and every time it's a loss it seems to be against a, a nancy a bastia it's such a peculiar season isn't it eric but you, and you we mentioned at the very start of the season when we had rich on for the preview that they really needed a striker uh, they've scored 33 goals. That's only better than the bottom two sides in the league. If this was such a glaring issue at the start of the season, why wasn't it addressed sort of January time? Well, I mean, they did bring in Umbele. I, I don't know, Rich, do you, if you see him long-term as a, as playing on the right wing or as supplanting CEO up front, but I, I think that they certainly had money to to spend after the sales of Ntap and Grosicki and... Um, Oh, the Brazilian helped me out here. He didn't have a great season, but was better last year. Pedro Enrique. Enrique. Right. Um, 
So there was certainly money to spend. I mean, I think they netted somewhere on the order of 11 or 12 million on the three of the sales of the three of those. Uh, so, you know, why not take a chance and bring in a player? I, I think, I think that, you know, we've, we've seen that players with creativity, with goal scoring ability can give just a little bit of hope uh, for a team. I think that, and I think that Ren, you know, in failing to replace, not that I'm not, not that I don't think Mbele can't look better in the near future, but, that that Ren really should have invested in in some sort and some sort of a striker. Whether they think whether they thought that bringing someone in would sap the confidence of a player like Wesley Saeed, who is still young and still has shown flashes now and then, uh, but I, I think that maybe they thought at that point in time we're safe, we can sort of play around and see what we've got here in terms of a bigger push for the summer. But at the same time, it's frustrating to see that uh, given that they had been. In and, in and around those European places, haha, to use the catchphrase there, uh, at that point in time. And just to see them really advocate the season, even with, with so many good things going for them, uh, is really frustrating to see. This is a team that's going to need a major overhaul in the summer. Benoit Costille looks set to go as well. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if other players followed him out the door. Joris Nagnon has had a great season. Uh, Benjamin Andre has as well. I hope that they stay in Liga, but I, I'm not saying that you know, perhaps you could see Andre going to someone like Leon if they wanted to replace Tolisso with a with a another player. Uh, and the same thing with Yanyan. I think he's you know central defenders are, are always at a premium. We've seen some of the fees paid for paid by teams in England that you know you could do worse than taking a chance on a player like him. So it, it, it's it's a really frustrating situation to see. I, you know, I I think that I have a lot of time for for Christian Gorkuf over his over his career, but. I think if he's the one that's making personnel decisions at this point in time, it's a really frustrating thing to see. And we do give their strikers a hard time, but when you sell all their wingers that are providing all the crosses for them just before the end of the January transfer window, it doesn't really help anyone at all. Um, let's let's try and focus on a couple of positives, and, and Eric's touched on them very briefly there. And the main one, really rich for you, is uh, the youngster Yoris Nanyon, who's had a terrific young season, and hopefully they can keep hold of him. How good has he been for, for Ren this season? Oh, he's he's been absolutely magnificent. You know, he, he sort of played a handful of games towards the end of last season. He was sort of brought in then due to to really for injury cover towards the start of this season. And from then on in, he's he's just been he's been brilliant. Um, for, you know, exceeded all expectations by a considerable distance. Um, you know, you, you some, when you watch him play, you sometimes forget how young and experienced he actually is. You know, he's quick, he's powerful immensely powerful i mean we saw um in a game recently you know he he took a nasty bump to the head probably should have come off at that point got up got back on with it took another bump to the head got an absolutely monstrous um visible bump on his head and eventually you know that got that got bandaged up and he was back on again then he went down again and and you know he's 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 got quite a character about him you know he's a he's a he's a a, a big asset to the team uh, there will be demand for him, I think, this summer. I think Ren will keep him. Um, but uh, I, I strongly suspect that come January, um, the coming January, he, he could well be off if he demonstrates that this you know, this season wasn't just a one-off. If he can start next season in a similar vein, and he will be first-choice defender because he's by quite a, quite a way our best defender. Um, the absolute shining light. There have been one or two others. You know, I've been pretty happy with with uh, Ben Savaini. 
Um, a little hot-headed at times, but by and large, he's had a he's had a decent season. Um, I think Ludovic Baal is a is a pretty competent left back. Certainly going forward, um, Benjamin Andre, as Eric touched upon, um, Mubele then came in in January. Uh, in answer to a point that, that Eric Eric raised a moment ago, I don't see him as a central striker. I don't think he has that enough composure in front of goal. Um, more than happy for him to be playing out wide on the right. He's got pace. He's happy to run at players. Um, he's a bit hit and miss in terms of an end product, but you know he's got on the score sheet a few times. Um, you know, so he, he's been a, he's been a decent signing. I, I see the I see the problem with this team, unfortunately. Um, with 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 both Christian Gorkouf and Rene Ruello, the the president, um, Ruello recently few months ago came out with a quite a famous quite famous speech now amongst rem fans saying basically you know we have a plan but this season if we finish 14th we'd be happy with 14th and it was that i think lack of ambition coming from the top of you know that'll do this is part of a grand plan but not really giving any details of what that grand plan is keep saying you know we're not looking to sell our these young players that are coming through but there's, there seems to be no idea where the club is going. They're just sort of making decisions on the hop, it seems, and and claiming, oh, yeah, this was part of a grand plan. So there's a real lack of direction and a real lack of ambition coming down from the top, feeds into Christian Gorkouf. He can't really seem to, to get his... I'm still unsure whether he actually knows what his best sort of formational tactics-wise, what the best the best style is for, for this Wren team, but... As as has been said, there's going to have to be wholesale changes. Some will be enforced. You know, it's it's an utter, I mean, close to devastation to see Costile go. But I've had to come to to realise that that's happening. Um, pray, I just pray that that Nyan, I, I do think Nyanyon will stay on, but it would be so red, so typically Ren, if they sold him for sort of six million to, I don't know, like some. Someone like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Puma connection. Keep it ringing. <laughs> that would, I would pull my hair out if they sold him for that cheap. I, I would not believe my sight. I'd never, li- I'd never live it down. And I, I, couldn't, I can imagine you would be even more frustrated. Well, the fact is, I think if they could hold hold on to him beyond this summer, let him have a really, really good start to next season. Come January, you're going to be probably pushing twenty mil plus. You could probably yeah, command for him with a. A young centre back like that, Usman Dembele, you know the fifteen million that we sold for him. Yeah, I mean that's that criminally under under undervalued there. But learn from that. Fingers crossed they have. Yeah, uh, there's the, they should, the the plan for Nyanyon should be look at January, maybe even the summer after, and say, look, club, you, if a club wants him, twenty mil minimum. Yeah, that's sometimes Richard. the. Sorry, I just want to ask you a question. Do you think that he made a mistake in, in opting for Cote d'Ivoire? You think he's good enough eventually uh, to France? The the optimistic side of me would say yes, he is good enough. But then I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of of competition. I think coming through. Um, you know, we've got Laporte. We've got well, you know, Varane's going to be around for a little while longer. We've got Mutiti. <laughs> We've got we've got um, 
we've got Lucas Hernandez. There's Issa Diop maybe coming through. There's okay. there's yeah. a whole host. There's, there's a lot of competition there. And I just think credit to him for coming out at such a young age and saying, you know what, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm going to do. You know, I, I'd like to have perhaps seen him maybe hold off until held held off and making that decision until after the summer because I'd quite like to have him to have perhaps had the experience of the under twenty World Cup. So I'm I'm certain he would have gone. Um but you know, fair enough, fair play. He's made that decision. He will see therefore regular international football. Um and that that's only going to make him a better player. No, I, t- I totally agree. It's, it's just, it seems like when when I saw it was announced that it seemed like a good decision for him to go that way because there is so much competition. And at the same time, France won't be, too, although he's a fantastic player, not too worried because there's absolutely an incredible amount of French centre-backs at the moment. Mm. And and for, from my point of view as well, for Ren, I, I mentioned it when the January transfer window uh, sort of closed up that I expected really Diakabe to really step up a little bit more than he has done. Um, I know he's still young, but he's not, and he's he's played plenty of games this season. I mean, he's played 23 games. He's only scored twice. He looked really impressive whenever he came off the bench, but he's never really kicked on as much as I I hoped he would do. Which kind of sounds like Ren's season full stop, doesn't it? But well, yeah, I think there's I think there's a, a lack of I think Goku, weirdly for someone who at Lorient certainly seemed to encourage um, youth development. I think he has a, a bit, there's a bit of lack of trust. You know, okay, Nyanyon is perhaps a a bit of an anomaly on that front, but there's a lot of really, really talented young players. You know, we saw Nicolas Janvier, who's had a, a really good season with the reserves. Um, you know, he was called up then for for the match at the weekend, put into the starting lineup. Okay, he wasn't fantastic, but no Ren player was. Half time hauled off. I mean, what what met yeah, that the message that's sending out to to both Janvier and the other young players is of oh, you know. We're not playing well. It's all on you. You're you're responsible. You're out of here. Um, so there's for me, it's there's there's an over reliance on some very average players and not willing. Bear in mind, we you know we're safe. Let's we we've been safe, I think, for a few weeks now. Is is let these youngsters free. Let them have that chance to really show what they can do and stick with them. They're not going to be. They're not all going to be Usman Dembele or Yoris Nyanyan and come into the team and be absolutely amazing first off. It's going to take time. So I'm hoping next season experience added to the team, you know, some good experience added to the team, but that he is a bit more free, I suppose, with his, his decisions on the young players. So very quickly from both of you, is, is, is there still faith in Gorkov? Do you still think he's the man to take Ren forward? Uh, I I have my severe doubts. Him, his his what he's doing with the team, combined with the way the border uh, are operating things, I'm not sure he is. Eric? I would have to agree. I don't I don't see what the what the team's transfer policy is, what the team's player policies, which just mentioned is. I think that given that there's so much incredibly young talent in France, and then Ren are a club of some means via their ownership. To bring in a player like Morgan Amalfitano, Clément Chanton, when there are better, younger alternatives around, it it just boggles the mind. And to spend money, I know that they don't all cost money, but to invest player wages, to invest development of players in players like that, when there's when there are so many young players that you're given a chance, either from the team's academy or from other teams in the league, it it just doesn't make any sense, you know. 
for for me, if if I'm running a team in France, you know, I know that there are teams above me that can prevent me from having a certain level of success. I don't see Ren realistically challenging for the Champions League, for example. But to be in those European places, four, five, six, I, I think is certainly within this club, this club's means, particularly financially and particularly with the academy that that they have. Uh, there's no reason not to be reaching that level of success, barring you know a huge run of injuries or or some other team coming from out of nowhere. Yeah, and it starts to get that moment where you you start to worry about next season if they don't start moving forward. And teams without a plan sometimes are better <laughs> tend to be the ones that drift after a bit. But we'll go on to the fight for fifth, really now, and it's another brawl that's still going on with uh, currently. Only this being the only other Europa League spot available, but that obviously could change depending on the Coupe de France final. Um, Marseille have taken the lead in that race after their 2-1 win against Nice at the weekend, and they face rivals Bordeaux in what could be a really tasty affair at the weekend. And they've been on an excellent run in recent weeks, Eric. Can they seal that position with a, a big victory against Bordeaux? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bordeaux. So... I think I would think a lot of our listeners are at least watched or at least aware of the match that Bordeaux played against Saint Etienne, uh, and I'm blanking on who it was. Was it was it you, Rich? Somebody from the French Football Weekly team tweeted a picture of Paloua wanting to go on vacation earlier. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't me, but I saw that. Yeah. So I mean, this is the thing that Bordeaux have a great chance to seal fifth with. Uh, with a win or a draw against Marseille uh, coming up this weekend. But then you've got, with Levchuk already suspended, you have Paua, uh who goes and makes a stupid challenge on Nordan, and that match is closing stages, gets himself a straight red, uh, is likely to, miss, likely to miss the rest of the season. Uh, and and there you have it. I think that's Bordeaux's season in, in, in a nutshell. You know, they'll get six, which will probably be a European place, but... The fact that this team had a real chance to get fourth uh, and fell away in these last few weeks is, is a little frustrating to see. I think Jocelyn Gorbeck's done a lot of great things with this young team. Um, but to have Paua for the umpteenth time in his, in his Bordeaux career uh, get a red card or a suspension in the case of uh, last season at a crucial juncture is just Really, really frustrating to see. And I, I don't give Bordeaux much hope of getting anything because they're going to be probably be playing uh, the Zenit Loney, Jukanovic, and maybe Teo Pelinard in defense. Maybe Tulolan drops into defense. I don't give them any chance, especially given the attacking form that Marseille are in right now. Yeah, I think Thiago Silva maybe needs to give Palwar a, a ring and get that suggestion for an early holiday next time, I think, so he can have a longer stay off. It seems seems to be the form for the Brazilian at the moment. But let's let's stick with Bordeaux then, Richard. Um, me and Eric had a, a brief talk on Twitter on Friday just before the game that they didn't start Valentin Varda and were maybe a little bit more negative in getting Plashiel on. Does that, does that frustrate you against a team against Saint-Étienne that have especially at the start of games, struggled to score goals and uh, struggled to score goals all season. Yeah, it was a curious decision. Um, uh, I I tried to initially rationalise it by saying perhaps they're just, you know, perhaps uh, Gorvanek is thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm really am focusing on that Marseille game. That's the crunch game. But then I sort of think back and think, well, you're going to a Saint-Étienne side who pretty much at that point didn't have a great deal to play for haven't been in spectacular form. 
you could have gone there, win, and you know, put yourself in a, a much, much better position. And perhaps more importantly, take that momentum into the Marseille game. So I didn't quite get why that, that decision was made by Gorvanek. I know he's he's not made too many mistakes um, this season. You know, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. Um, but that's one I think you can look back on and think, yeah, you know what, if I could play that game again, I probably wouldn't have been quite so cautious. Um, you know, the style of play that Bordeaux have played recently, um, it, it's not, that that hasn't seemed as in as much in their nature anyway. So it seemed an odd time to, to perhaps tweak that. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, it was an unnecessary time to make that, that tweak. So I think it's, it was a decision. I think Gorvanek will, will look back on and think, yeah, that wasn't my wisest decision, but you know, they've just got to draw a line under that going to the, the Marseille game thinking, right, well, you know what, if we're going to want fifth, this, this is the game we have to, you know, this is the one game of the season now we have to show up and perform. Yeah, let, let's talk about Marseille now, uh, Eric, and they got an excellent result of the weekend as well that's really underpinned their recent form since about the start, well, around March time where they've they've rattled off about, well, they've rattled off five wins and uh, four draws in that time, which is a decent amount of form that's seen them slowly creep into that fifth spot. And it was a really good performance as well against the Nice side that would have obviously been buzzing from the result they got up against Paris Saint-Germain last weekend. How impressed were you with them at the weekend? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, no, credit, credit Marseille for the win. It's, it, nice are a tough team, but they did hit the woodwork twice. Uh, I, I, could Cardinal have done done better on Gomez's goal? I, it wasn't an all-conquering Marseille like we saw last weekend against Caen. It was a decent performance in a, in a in a big match against a rival. Okay, fine. They got the result they needed. I don't think it. I don't think they were as imperious as they have been. I think it was. This was. I, I think that we have to. Uh, I'm trying to say this. Look, Marseille, yes, Marseille have, are on a, a long unbeaten run. They've gone up the table. I think that European football is a just reward for what for the season they've had. But I do think that there are caveats to a lot of these matches. Should they really be drawing away to Lille? Should they really be drawing at home to Dijon? Should they really be drawing away to Nancy? Uh, yeah, they, they thumped Saint-Étienne, but Saint-Étienne were, were missing Pogba and Perrin. You know, yeah, they had a big result at Caen, but it's Caen. They, they beat Nice, but, you know, Nice were probably a little bit emotionally drained after the previous week, and they, they, they did hit the woodwork twice. And some of the other wins in this, in this, in this, in this thing, I, I, it's a season of progression for Marseille. I think they're in a better place now, uh, not only because of McCourt, but because of the players they brought in and because of the attacking ethos that Rudy Garcia has put in. That's great to see. I think a strong Marseille is good for Liga, but I don't I really hesitate to really to lavish really lavish praise on this team right now. I still think there's a lot to be worked out, and they have ridden their luck to some extent. And they're not they're not as bad as the team that got bumped by PSG, but they're also not they're also not an all conquering force at this point in time. Yeah, I, I did want to talk about possibly one polarizing player who's who's been mentioned a few times on this show and and on Twitter has been. <sighs> maybe overrated in a sense, but Florian Tovan has scored 15 goals and had eight assists this season, uh, Rich, and he's 
been a, other than obviously having to come off at the at the weekend, he's been in really impressive form. How is how do you think his season has been coming back to France? Um, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's been a, it's been a, a huge success. Um, those who know me will know I'm notoriously not a Marseille fan, and perhaps even more in particular, not a Tovan fan. Um, uh, but this this season. Yeah, something something's changed in him. Maybe, you know, I think it's, well, I, I would probably put it down to Rudy Garcia. Uh, I think certainly it, it's it, since him since he came into the club, um, uh, he's he's yeah he's gone on to another level. We're finally seeing the Tovan that we saw all those years ago at Bastia. Um, I think it's taken too long for him to finally reach this this feeling that he has progressed. It's, it has taken way too long. Um, you know, there was a a silly move to, to Newcastle in there. There was all the the unnecessary um, palaver when he, he had his his move to Lille. Um, but yeah, no, you know, fair fair play to him. He's playing the best football of his career. Um, he's probably one of, if not the most important player in that that Marseille squad at the moment. Um, he's getting on the score sheet. He's scoring good goals. He's scoring crappy goals. Um, you know, I, I can I can only take my hat off to him and say I didn't expect him to be this good this season, considering what's gone what's gone on in the last couple of seasons. So, you know, credit to him, credit to to Rudy Garcia. Um, the onus I think now is on Tovan to to keep that form then into the next season. Absolutely, and and I, I think the attitude change is the biggest thing for me as well. He does seem like he's he's grown up a little bit. He's understood where his role is really in football, rather than sort of spitting his dummy out as he has done in the past. And that's really refocused him on his game, and he's really really improved. And there's a I think there's a basis of a really good Marseille side here as well with the likes of Sanson as well, who's had an excellent season. But very briefly from both of you. Which one do you, would you rather see in Europe next season? That's probably the best question. Eric, who do you think's best suited to, to handle a Europa League campaign as well as a league in a campaign? Marseille. I, I think that given the, the investment they're likely to get this summer, I hope it's not Giroud, I hope it's not Kabai, uh, but they've got a decent squad depth. I mean, you look at some of the young players they have coming through as well, Zambo and Guisa in particular, I, I think could be could, is, is a player who, who's got a lot to grow. Uh, they need to figure out some some of these loan signings. Banker and and in particular, I think has been great this season, and they need to tie him down or replace him. Uh, and yeah, Bordeaux have been great, but I I think that you know given how rash Palawa can be, given the ages of the likes of Batula Long and Aplacio, um, I, I do think that they they might suffer a little bit in depth going forward. Uh, the future of Carrasso is another one. I, there's been I've seen rumblings that he's leaving the club, and I really would not trust Bordeaux in Europe. If it's Zero and Prior and uh, Paul Bernardoni and Gold, neither one of them has done very much to impress me in the time that Carras has been injured or un- otherwise unavailable this season. Um, so, yeah, it's got to be Marseille at this point in time. Rich, could you make a case that, that Bordeaux maybe could be could have enough strength in depth if they have a decent summer to, to also compete on a European front if they get there? Mm, <laughs> as much as I'd like to, Gorvenek, you know, big Gorvenek fan, and I think if Carrasso does go, I think it, it seems fairly well set that Costile's going to come in. Um, so again, you know, I would love to see him having some, you know, time playing European football. 
I don't know. I, I don't think that club will be making the investment. They'll be making nowhere near the level of investment that Marseille will. Um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done on that Marseille side. They need to look at their entire defence. Um, they need to look at depth. Certainly, I think they'll need some um, backup to go. Well, first of all, they need to tie up a deal for for uh, for Gomez and and then look at getting some support for him as well because. Certainly, when he was out, they they really suffered from having no no backups, you know, no real backup striker. But there's there's a couple of there are a couple of reasons why I would love to see Bordeaux in Europe, but it's it's Marseille who would, would certainly look to be performing better. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It'd be a great experience for a lot of those young players, but the the you have a real worry that it would probably affect their league form which is just as important really but we'll, we'll finish this week with a look at, at the upcoming European fixtures where this frankly a little isn't the greatest deal of hope let's say uh, Monaco need to turn around a 2-0 deficit in Turin while Leon need at least three three goals without reply at home to Ajax uh, let's start with that Champions League game uh, Eric how do Monaco how do Monaco need to approach this game if they want a positive result against a really strong defensive side Without Gibral City Bay. Um, yeah. No, it, it's, it's going to be tough no matter what. I do think, though, that there is perhaps a ray of light here, and this, this may seem a little bit controversial. Um, I think that in terms of playing defensively and, and keeping the lead, uh, Juventus with Claudio Marchisio instead of Sammy Kadira are a better team. Uh, Marchisio is a better passer. Kadira is a little bit less solid defensively. And I think with Lamar and Silva cutting inside and testing that, that Juventus midfield, which, remind you now, without Marquisio, really lacks an orthodox defensive midfielder. Uh, Kadira has played as a number six slash number eight at, at points in his career. He's not really as, as, as sound of a presence as Marquisio is. And we all know that Mirlan Pjanic is a player who likes to get forward as well. So that being said, there's a little bit less of a shield for that, for that three-man defense, if that is indeed how Juventus continue to play, which I think they will. They'll, they'll come back out with their 3 5 one, one, three, five, two, whatever you want to call it, um, and it's it's gonna t- it's gonna take that it's gonna take that midfield to task again. Mario Mandzukic was fantastic in in the first leg, uh, tucking inside and and uh, uh, adding a little bit of support there, but he played ninety minutes the weekend, so he's gonna be perhaps a little bit more tired. He's someone who's thirty thirty one. He's not exactly a spring chicken at this point in time, so there there, there could be a little bit of weakness in Juventus' central midfield. I. Don't see that being enough to tip the scales, but I can see this being an entertaining match. Maybe a one-one draw or a two-one, um, a two-one Monaco win. I, I think this is going to be a little bit more open than the last match for Juventus, and that it's it's going to be a, an exciting match to watch, and it's going to, I think, be validation for what's really been a stunning uh, European campaign for for Monaco. Uh, just being, you know, an, another. Validation in this case being further evidence that they uh, have what it takes to go toe-to-toe with one of the very best teams in Europe. Rich, do you have any hope really for Monaco? We were talking the other week that Juventus have maybe the most complete side in Europe, but is there any chance for the, the Ligue 1 side to, to pull off a little another surprise? Uh, the, the key is going to be that first 15-20 minutes. If Monaco can come flying out of the blocks, nick an early goal, perhaps test the the, the really test the nerves, I suppose, of this um, Juventus side. 
then they might have a chance. If if Juventus can do as I've probably from honest fully expect them to do, put up another brick wall um, for for the opening twenty minutes. Don't give Monaco a sniff. Then I, I really I really don't see as the game as that that game goes on beyond those opening fifteen twenty minutes. I can't see much hope for Monaco if I'm perfectly honest. But I've gone on numerous records to say there is absolutely zero shame for Monaco to go out to this Juventus side. This Juventus side is a a bit of a freak in so much as how organised they are. It's a long time, I think, since I've seen a, a side in Europe as disciplined and as organised as this Juventus side. So going out to them, no great shame. And as Eric said, it's a real, I think it's a real testament to how far Monaco have come not only over this season, but I think over the last couple of seasons that they've got this far, and we're still talking about them actually, you know, still, still just about in with a shot of making that final. So, I'm hoping that that by giving this, you know, getting this far, fingers crossed, winning the league and title in, in the coming weekend, it's going to be give them a base, I think, to to tweak that strategy that they've had. That they don't need to go on a wholesale. Um, sort of transfer spree of you know selling players and signing new players. They can just pick and choose who they want to sell at the right time, only when the, the right player can come in and replace them. So they can really build something that you know this is now going to become an expectation of Monaco. Yeah, and I, I think I, I briefly mentioned it on the, my previous preview for the uh, for the first game that when I started doing those in August, I never ever anticipated I'd still be doing them in early May. So that's a real testament to how good they've been this season and how uh, what a terrific journey they've really been on for the entire season for uh, what almost feels like an eternity now. But um, let's shift focus to that Europa League game, Eric, and Leon's pretty big task. But at the same time. I know they need three without reply, but an early goal against a pretty darn young side that's maybe inexperienced at this level, might that shake the foundations and give them a real chance? There's a possibility. Uh, I, I think that we've seen that Leon are a team that can, that can really fill up the score sheet at home, not thinking about the win over Roma, the win over Azed. Uh, but what worries me is, is the one goal. I think if Leon had made it to say four two, that's I, I could see them. I could see them going through. Maybe it would even make them the favorite to go through. But at four one to make up three goals and to not and to keep Juventus out with that with this defense, I just don't see it. There's a lack of cohesion. There's a lack of mental clarity. We saw that again at the weekend. Gone along losing Kiamgie on non equalizer. It's just this team for whatever reason, don't have it mentally right now. And there's just too many mistakes to, for me to see them not letting Ajax score. Um, so I would probably say maybe 3-1 Leon win. Can they score four and take it to extra time? It's certainly possible, but I, I think, I think a, a narrow Leon win, uh, it's not enough to see them progress. looks the more likely result. It's just uh, – it's, it's been a great season in terms of that European campaign, but – it's it's also been really frustrating. There's just been too many losses that there's no excuse for in terms of in terms of defense. I can think of a half dozen league games off the top of my head to give them another dozen points, uh, and they'd be still there fighting for that fighting for third place with Nice. And it's it's frustrating to see that the attacking talent is undoubtedly there, uh, but 
in terms of mental strength and, and defensive solidity, Leon haven't had it this season. And I, I see that continuing on Thursday. Rich, what do you think? I, I mean, there's also the the fact that now Ajax maybe have, although Feyenoord still look like they're probably going to win the title, there is still a possibility that the Amsterdam side could win their Eredivisie title as well. And they might have half an eye on that game come the, come the weekend as well. Add that to the fact that if Leon put pressure on early like we expect them to and maybe grab something, it, it could get interesting or are we maybe being a little bit uh, fancy? Uh, no, I, I could... You know, I can certainly make a stronger case for Leon turning this around than Monaco. Um, you're right; it, it's 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 going to need it's going to need an early it's going to need an early Leon goal. It's going to have to then hope that that with Ajax being such a young side, and, you know, it's a brand new situation for all the Leon players as well. But it's a brand new situation really for these Ajax players. Try and get the moment. Try and sort of exploit the fact that the moment could get to one or two of those players. Um, as you say, they'll have one eye on their domestic league. That they're still in with a chance of of winning that. Um, yeah, I think if if Leon can if Leon can get to half time a goal up, um, that clean sheet obviously is so so important. Get to half time a goal up. Really, then looked to, to ramp the pressure up. You know, goal early in the second half. Really starts to get those Ajax players' nerves going. I can see it happening, but as Eric said, I, I unfortunately probably could also see that quite frail defence conceding a goal. You know, that's a very um, talented Ajax side going forward. There's a lot of goals available in that squad, as we saw in the first leg. So. They they absolutely cannot they cannot afford to put in anywhere close to the kind of performance that we saw in that first leg, um, and they they have to they have to go out in in a in a completely positive frame of mind. It was interesting after the game, um, Jean Michel Olas was lightning quick to get out there that okay we've lost four one we've been in this scenario uh, it was a long time ago twelve thirteen years ago or so. Um, against uh, I forget the side it was Bruges. Bruges. Bruges maybe that they lost the first leg four one, then turned it around three nil at home. It's obviously a very different Leon side to that one of the you know twelve thirteen years ago. But you know there's a I think there's a belief. Um, you know I spoke about how you know direction from the very top and the negativity there has affected Ren uh, earlier in the podcast. You know, Olas can be a very positive influence for that Leon side. So, you know, he believes they can. He's passionate enough with this squad and this team that he can get, you know, Genesio thinking it. Perhaps more importantly, he can get the players thinking it, that they can come out then Thursday night, really, really positive, great frame of mind, and get that early goal and really look to build on from there. It's going to be, a, hopefully, a couple of interesting European games, even though it looks like at the moment that both of them are out of it. But you never know with an early goal, and we've seen, we've definitely seen crazier things this season. Uh, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Eric, and to all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the previous show hosted by Eric on Thursday, and we'll see you here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto, and goodbye.